Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Happy May Day, Wendy. Oh, thank you, and happy May Day to you too, Mike. Or Beltane, should we call it. And uh, if you guys are interested in learning more about May Day, Beltane, some of the fun pagan and Wiccan rituals that happen around springtime, uh, make sure you check out episode 141, our interview with the Wiccan High Priestess of Wisconsin, Selena Fox. Yes, definitely. So today is May Day, which I, I, I haven't danced around the Maypole yet. Today I didn't do it. I saved Yet. I saved my dancing around the Maypole for partying hard on Saturday night. Oh man, yeah. Yes, you tore it up. Yeah. Well, we did. So, so Wendy and my band, Sunspot, we played uh, at the Crystal Grand Theater in the Wisconsin Dells. And Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin is like the tourist trap of Wisconsin, you know. It is the main tourist trap of Wisconsin, yeah. but it's a fun tourist trap. Oh yeah. I mean, it's water <laughs> if you if you like water parks, that's the the, the you know, the best place around for water parks cuz there's a dozen of them. Um, yeah. And they also have a cool theater. And uh, our friend's band was playing and releasing a CD. And so he invited us to perform there at this massive, like, auditorium like theater. And it was beautiful. Oh, really? Beautiful fun. place. So that was our Valpurgis Noct on yeah. April 29th. And we let it, it was. And we, we uh, did the classic Wisconsin polka medley. Yes. So that was extra fun little bonus. Yeah. So that's how we celebrated uh, this particular changing of the season. Yes, indeed. But it is hard to believe that it's May already. Yeah. I mean, so this is the fifth month of the year. And how are your New Year's resolutions going, Mike? Not too bad. Well, uh, I broke all of them on Saturday, but that's okay. <laughs> well, but you said, if memory serves me right, you said that your resolution was to like chill out a little bit more, right? Yes, you're right. Absolutely. So, so I think... That would have been in line with your resolution. <laughs> well, you know, you are correct, Wendy. But I do think that it's going pretty well because I have gone to the gym. I think if we're already in May, I've probably gone at least four times a week. And I've only missed the week we were in Texas and the week after we got back all year. Wow, great job. So I've stuck by uh, a workout plan the whole time. Now, I got to work, work on the food part. That's always the tough part. But uh, I've done the work. So not too bad on the, not too bad. That's great. Congratulations. Thank you. And how are your New Year's resolutions going as we enter into the fifth month? They're going pretty well. I've been sticking with the meditation. I haven't missed many days of that. And I've been doing my uh, daily, I call them my daily power-ups, where I do the the push-ups and squats and a little bit of reading, try to journal, that kind of stuff. But the fitness thing, I finally decided I'm going to go for it and do the Madison Marathon. Hey, all right, in November. <laughs> yeah, so I've got a lot of time to prepare for that. And so as, as a predecessor to that, I'm doing P90X, which I just started today. All right. Right before we recorded, in fact. So <laughs> still sweating from that, but <laughs> day one of P90X. So Fantastic. We'll see how ripped I am in 90 days. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, even just the act of doing it means something, I think. And the act of getting to go every day and uh, make it happen. And, you know, we, we talk about these things. We're always talking about, well, psychic powers and weird stuff and meditation and ways to improve your mind. But I'm not of the opinion that the mind and body are very separate. 
Like I don't, yeah. I don't think your mind can be, unless you're Stephen Hawking, I don't think your mind can be very healthy if your body's not. I agree with that for sure. I definitely notice when I'm out of shape, I don't think as sharply yeah. as when I'm really in shape. So it Hopefully, is Hopefully, you know, in another 90 days, I'll be ripped and I'll be... <laughs> right. Well, you're going to run, you're going to run your way to psychic powers. Exactly. That's the plan. Well, that's fun. Good. Well, good luck with that and good luck with the training. The Madison Marathon Thanks. is a fun one and you're, you're going to like it. Good. I hope it's fun. I know those hills are tough. I remember when you did it and I was very impressed by the, uh, <laughs> well, getting up those huge hills. And, and the thing about the Madison Marathon, too, is that the biggest hill is on the north side of the city by where the old sanitarium used to be. Okay. That's cool. And that sanitarium's super haunted. And you can see it from like the race course. So maybe I'll have some ghosts cheering for me. You will. You, you know, uh, Hopefully. Hope, I hope you do get some <laughs> ghosts cheering for you in the thing. But that's funny. Like the, the most painful part of the Madison Marathon is also the most haunted part of the Madison yeah, Marathon. Yeah. Interesting. Very and, interesting. And, you know, speaking about people getting in shape, I'm glad that we're talking about this because I think this is the perfect example for the topic we are discussing today. And uh-huh. that is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is coming out on Friday. <laughs> Well, and the reason I say that is because of Chris Pratt. Oh, my gosh. So Chris, Park and Rec's Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt's the guy that plays Peter Quill, Star-Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, charming, funny, uh, great actor. Really enjoy him. And I thought he was great on Parks and Rec. And he was kind of, you know, he was a little bigger on Parks and Rec. And so the change that he made in his body to become... Peter Quill and Guardians of the Galaxy is like that. unbelievable. I find it inspiring. Very inspiring. Because it's not because sure. it's not. Like, well, so Hugh Jackman. You take Hugh Jackman, who uh, oh, is, is obviously one of the largest studs on the planet. You know, great actor, <laughs> obviously funny, can sing well. You know, like you're like, oh man, Hugh Jackman. What like what a great actor. Yeah, and he obviously has ne- never seen a chicken breast he didn't like. <laughs> and. He eats all of them. And uh, he eats between like 12, like eight hour day, like the intermittent fasting. I know he, at least he was oh doing that. Gosh. That was one of the reasons when people were like, well, why did you decide to hang up your claws for Wolverine? Hugh Jackman's like, well, I want <laughs> I want to start eating other food again. I'd like to enjoy life uh, once again. Right. I want to eat like before <laughs> noon one of these days and after 8 p.m. Wow. So, but the thing is, Hugh Jackman was also a skinny guy in the beginning. Right, so he already was a skinny kind of theater yeah. type actor that bulked up. Chris Pratt's a guy that cut, like he moved from being, you know, bigger to to cut, and uh, that's a major change. That's the first paranormal change of the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> no, but we want to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy because excited for the sequel. Yeah, it's it's one of the more fun Marvel movies, and I have to admit it. I, I watch all the Marvel movies. Okay, all, that's, I, that's okay, Mike. I watch all the Netflix TV shows. I, I finished Iron Fist a couple weeks ago. Uh-huh. I keep up with the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I think of all the Marvel movie properties, the only thing I haven't seen is like the last four episodes of Agent Carter. Otherwise, I've watched every wow. single thing they've done. You're a dedicated fan. I guess I, I am. That. I didn't think I was a dedicated fan either. I just end up watching all of it. I'm not a dedicated fan, but I do like the movies. I find them, yeah. you know, entertaining. <laughs> I just, you know, I, I, when I think of myself of a dedicated fan thing, it's like I'm going to be a dedicated fan about Doctor Who. I'm going to read about it. I'm going to talk about it. Yeah. I'm going to get drunk and then make obnoxious comments to people on discussion forum boards and stuff like that about Doctor Who. And so I never thought of myself as a real, like I enjoyed comic books. Okay. But I never really thought of myself as a comic book guy. Yeah. But you've consumed all of the media 
yeah for marvel stuff which there's just so much of it that's yeah, the thing like that i can't movies. even keep up with it <laughs> right so um i knew this was going to be a fun one and what what i like about this too is that the team behind it um the people who are involved in the film there's a ton of different paranormal stories and uh relationships that they have so we thought we'd just talk about uh you know a Guardians of the Galaxy inspired episode and some of the paranormal stuff that's happened to the people who are in this new Guardians of the Galaxy volume two. <laughs> and you might be surprised when yeah. you hear some of these. Things. Right. You, I certainly I, was. I, right. Me too. <laughs> so, I mean, starting with Chris Pratt, like he doesn't really have any good ghost stories. Aww. I know Chris Pratt. I mean, he's great. He's talented. The only thing I could find on him is this little is Chris Pratt's toilet haunted. <laughs> like what? yeah so he was on snapchat or you know taking a little video and he's walking around his hotel room i think it's in new york and he's walking around his hotel room and i think he walks up to a uh like the, the toilet the uh the lid comes in automatically like it goes up and goes down automatically. oh okay so that was just so that's the video a- and then there was some paparazzi site or whatever that had his chris pat's toilet haunted and they posted the video because <laughs> it's an automated toilet <laughs> right and uh but he's an i mean he's an interesting guy he's got a he's got a cool story of how he got even discovered that he was kind of just hanging around he's like living in hawaii and uh, he didn't really have a lot of direction to his life, and he was just working as a waiter somewhere. And he ran into Tommy Chong's daughter, Ray Dawn Chong, and she's a producer in different movies. And she's like, "I think you have the right look. I want you to audition for my movie." She's like, "He's like, cool." So he did, wow. and he got a part. Like he got a lead in that movie. Unreal. And then moved out to California and started his career. But he was kind of just roaming around not thinking about acting he said like i didn't you know i didn't really have a plan or anything and then must be nice must be nice to just kind of walk into it well he's living in hawaii so there's a lot of celebrities vacation there that's true but you know when you think about actors all the actors out there working so hard and just to get discovered trying to get any little gig they can (laughs) and then that just kind of falls into his lap that's pretty amazing yeah that is amazing well and the thing about him too is he seems like a really nice guy he's like nice family with uh i think he's married to anna ferris and she, I mean, Anna Ferris got popular originally as being in those um, Damon Wayans uh, scre- scary movie franchises. So, okay. like, they were uh, parodies of all of the teenage slasher films that are coming out at the end of the 90s. And so, kind of, Anna, that's how Anna Ferris got popular. Okay. But I just thought it was an interesting story that he's just, you know. And then one day also he found, like, religion. So he's like a nice religious family man, Christian oh, guy. Oh, he's a good boy. He does. And then he also knows how to he also knows how to change his workout and diet completely to, you know, for the parts. And now he's this buff guy that's, like, two franchises, that, Jurassic. That every man on earth hates. Right. You're like, hey. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm working out too, Chris, but I don't have that. But he now he's in touch two franchises, Jurassic World and Guardians of the Galaxy. This is wow. the So he did, all right, Big Chris, time. good job. Too, did you see that Messengers movie with him and Jennifer Lawrence? The Messengers? I don't believe so. They no, were, I didn't that was that. a science fiction movie. It was two people who were going to a, a, a new colony. Oh, I want to see that. And they were on an ARC ship. Yeah. And he wakes up early. Right. Yes. But don't spoil it because I, I, I won't, I won't spoil it. I, I turned it off. You'd have thought it was that bad? I, no, I was just bored. And so I turned yeah. it off. 
Wow. Uh, he, I mean, he's a great, I, I think, great, funny actor. Jennifer Lawrence obviously has a lot of charisma, and they had great chemistry together. But I just, I'm like, eh, I don't care. So it didn't do it for didn't you. Didn't do it for me. I turned it off. And so was it because it was just three hours of people sleeping? <laughs> no, <laughs> flying through. I just, sleeping. I, I didn't think it was. Gonna, it's, a, it's a romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't think it was going to be a romantic comedy. I thought it was an oh. exciting space adventure. Sci-fi, and instead yeah. I got a romantic comedy. And I'm like, oh. Mwah, mwah. I appreciated that special effects were great. Michael Sheen plays a bartender. He does a good job as a robot bartender. And then I'm like, wait, this is a romantic comedy? Like, oh. and then click. So <laughs> that was it for that. But so there's not really any ghost stories about Chris Pratt, unfortunately. However... Oh, and this boy. is something that just came out this week. This really, it really, just, this just came out this week. Okay. One of everyone's favorite actors, Kurt Russell, Snake, oh, yeah. Snake Plissken himself, Escape from New York, The Thing, Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, right, Kurt Russell. He is the he's the best. He, um, you know, speaking of Kurt Russell, did you ever see the movie Overboard? I don't think so. Overboard. It's it's this comedy from the late eighties. And it was my mother's favorite movie for a long time. We, but we saw it. It was a really funny movie. Um, he plays a, a, a widower father. And he's got three kids. And he meets this real stuffy, rich girl, played by Goldie Hawn, his girlfriend in real life, his you know, paramour in real life. But okay. anyway, she falls off her yacht, bangs her head, and gets amnesia. And wow. then he finds her and tells her that she's his wife. Oh, nice. And so, <laughs> right. And so that's the movie is that, you know, he prete- the family pretends that she's their wife and mother. And she just doesn't remember it because she got it. So they basically her. kidnap her. Yeah. I just, you know, that movie I thought was hilarious in 1987, <laughs> 30 years ago. It just doesn't have the, I think t- today people might be like that. Um, yeah, that's. That's like a, a violation. Right. And that's like a sex crime. Like you lied to you. You lied to this right. woman saying that she was your wife. And it's funny. Anyway, Kurt Russell's still good. He's on this BBC chat show uh, with Chris Pratt. And they're together because Guardians of the Galaxy opened up in uh, Europe and the UK last week. Okay. Uh-huh. And so they're there promoting the movie. And funny enough, the presenter, he starts talking about the phoenix lights okay so a couple Ooh, a couple yes. a couple episodes ago we, d- we discussed the phoenix lights and how it was the 20th anniversary of these six strange lights that people saw over phoenix in march yeah. of 1997 this year is the 20th anniversary. this year is the 20th anniversary so the presenter starts he mentions the ufo report of the phoenix lights and says that a pilot was the first person to report it as he was coming into the Phoenix airport, the pilot reported seeing six lights in a V-shaped formation over the airport. And that was one of the first reports of the Phoenix lights. At Kurt Russell's, that was me. That's so, unbelievable. Right. So he's just like, yeah, that was me. I was the pilot who reported those six lights. <laughs> and the story goes, and so Goldie Hawn again. So Goldie Hawn's son, or his son with, uh, uh-huh. that he adopted, uh, Oliver, he was flying Oliver in his private plane. So Kurt Russell, in addition to being like a generic, you know, just regular badass, he's also a pilot. 
which makes him like as double badass. And they're flying to Phoenix from Los Angeles, and he's taking Oliver to see Oliver's girlfriend who lives in Phoenix. All right, he's going to drop him off, and you know it's an hour flight or something like that. It's going to be fun, and he gets to fly with the sun. Blah blah blah. He says he sees six lights in a V formation, very clear in the sky, and then he calls it in, and that's all he thought about it. You know, he's like, hey, there's supposed to be a plane. Uh, I mean, there's six lights in there. Yeah. And the thing is, they're like, well, there's no other planes up here. That's so bizarre. So that's yeah, they totally talked about this without realizing he was the pilot. <laughs> right, that Kurt Russell was the one. And that just came out like last week. That- I, I'd like to verify that, though. I'd like to see the, the documentation or whatever, you know, because. Sure. I mean, Kurt Russell said that. Now, he just said what he thought was weird. He said he didn't think that the lights were that weird. But the fact is, he didn't even think about it again. He just drops the sun off and then goes back to Los Angeles and doesn't think about it again. And in fact, it's not till several years later, Goldie Hawn is watching a, a, a UFO show in their living room and he walks in and sees the Phoenix lights. And he goes, hey, I saw those. I had to call those in. And he said he went back to his flight log or whatever and, you know, found it. And he goes, the weird thing was that I just, I didn't even think about it again. I saw those lights and it didn't even occur to me. So I'm thinking, is he getting some kind of alien amnesia or something like that? Or he's just, it was so weird or out of his wheelhouse. I mean, I guess the guy that's yeah. fought the thing, things aren't out of their weird wheelhouse. Right, right. I just still can't believe that. That, that was, was Kurt there. Russell. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, Kurt Russell, you're the best. <laughs> so, yeah, he reported that. And he just thought it was weird that he didn't remember it. He's like, that's, that's yeah. what I thought was weird. And... That's the thing. If it was an alien kind of UFO, I mean, do they have that kind of... I mean, they didn't have the effect of anybody else seeing it, forgetting about it, but they maybe weren't up in the air where he was. Yeah, that's true. But I also liked how the air traffic controller is like, yeah, there's no other plane up here. <laughs> so something, <laughs> was, pretty something cool. was up in the sky uh, that night. And obviously something was up in the sky, whether it was flares or aliens or... Yeah, and it either wasn't able to be picked up on radar or that person was a big fat liar. <laughs> right. Well, uh, I'm put the video in the show notes so you guys can see the other side podcast.com slash one forty two. So you can see him tell the story. Great. Uh, Snake Pliskin tells the story himself. <laughs> you know, and we're we're looking at uh the different stars of Guardians of the Galaxy that have cool stories and fun stuff. Next up was one of my favorites. And that's the girl who plays Nebula. So Nebula is like the bald blue girl. Oh, right. Okay. okay. So there's two. So the Guardians of the Galaxy, just to, in case you're one of the like 10 people who's listening to this episode, they probably haven't seen it. The main bad guy is Thanos, who's played by Josh Brolin. And we'll, we'll get, he's got a little story. We'll get to him in a minute. And he's got two adopted daughters. One is Gamora. That's Zoe Saldana. Also Uhura from the new Star Trek. And she's green. And she's like an assassin. And the other is Nebula, played by Karen Gillan, who's a uh, Scottish ginger. And she also was the 11th Doctor's main companion. It's Karen Gillan. So she was Amy Pond. Um, wow. Yeah, Amy Pond on Doctor Who. And mm. anyway, so I was looking for if she had any cool ghost stories or anything, because I like Karen Gillan. And, oh, she had to shave her head for the movie, too. The first movie. She shaved her head completely bald. And she didn't have to shave her head for this movie because I guess computer graphics have gotten better. So now, 
That's amazing. Right. Well, that opens up a whole new world of, of movie parts to people who will not shave their head. Right. So when her and Matt Smith, the 11th Doctor, were out on one of their, um, on location on the, the Doctor Who episode, The Rebel Flesh, they took a little ghost tour around Carefully Castle in Wales. And so Carefully Castle, it's great because this is on Doctor Who Confidential, which was a little like behind the scenes Doctor Who show that they would show along with uh, episodes. And Doctor Who Confidential would play right after and you'd have uh, all of the uh, behind the scenes stuff. Anyway, it's a cool thing because it shows the ghost tour guide with Matt Smith and Karen Gillan. And he's telling them the story of Carefully Castle. Where in the 13th century, uh, the Lord of Carefully Castle had a French wife, but she ended up falling in love with somebody else. Uh-oh. Yep. Ding, ding, ding. So uh, he kills that guy. As you do. As you do. You're like, oh, my wife loves somebody else. Off with his head. Oh. Eliminate him. Right. And so he did. And Ooh. then uh, she was so upset that he died that she fell off the side of the castle. Aww. And so people still see the lady in green. Oh, that's cool. Carefully Castle. And they didn't see her on the set. But it was neat that they took the little ghost tour. And and also Karen Gillan says that her and her mom are really into ghosts. She's like, like, we have all the ghost books and the paranormal books and stuff. And she did say one time in high school, her and her friend did uh, feel a mysterious figure. Uh, But that was about it. Hmm. And Matt Smith just said, like, he's like, well, sure, I believe in ghosts. I believe in everything. And I'm like, ah, come on. But I was just like, it was just fun because it, it's fun when you're sitting there and you look up these actors and see like when they had some kind of, you know, when they're talking about paranormal stuff. Uh, yeah. And to think about a show like that where you get to shoot in so many old, like, you know, UK yeah. locations, I would, I'd go crazy. I'd love it. Oh, you'd be in heaven. You get yeah. access to so many cool spots. Yeah. Well, but the thing is you look up the, the castle and then there's just this. It's linked in all the haunted castles. It's K.R. Philly Castle. So next time I go to the UK, that's on my list. I'm going to check it out and see if I can see the lady in green. Definitely. So Karen Gillan's a good one that has, has a fun story. Here's something that's a little more recent. Okay. So you know the character of Groot in the movie The Big Tree that can only say I am Oh, Groot. yeah, yeah. Yeah, little, I am Groot. Little dancing tree. Yeah, little dan- well, he's the little dancing tree at the end. <laughs> at the end. Yeah. But he's a big tree. The rest. Okay, so who does the, the voice of Groot is done by Vin Diesel. Oh, right. And I always have a soft spot for Vin Diesel because he admitted that he still plays Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So he's like this Hollywood <laughs> tough guy, you know, but then, I mean, he's still a drama. Like the, the thing is that these tough guys, they're still like drama guys. Yeah. Right. I mean, and the half the time the drama guys are gonna be D and D nerds and stuff like that. And so the fact that Vin Diesel's cool with it, I'm like, yeah, Vin, you're my man. Awesome. So I I have a soft spot for Vin Diesel, but you know, he his other big franchise is the Fast and the Furious. Right. And I'll be honest, I have not seen a Fast and the Furious movie. They're pretty entertaining. I heard they're great. You know, my dad likes yeah. them and stuff. And I like The Rock and I like action. You know, I just haven't had a chance yeah. to, to see it yet. And now that they're on number eight. I'm like, well, what am I missing here? Yeah, yeah. You, you want to be able to follow the storyline, the characters. Mm-hmm. So I know that there's a, the fate of the Furious. I'm not sure if it's out yet, but it's coming very soon. The latest Fast and the Furious movie. Okay. So the, the, his co-star, Vin Diesel's co-star in these movies was Paul Walker. Right. 
Super handsome, good-looking guy. Remember that movie Varsity Blues with Dawson? Oh, yeah. As a Texas high school quarterback? <laughs> yep. Paul Walker's like the cool high school quarterback who gets injured, so Dawson takes his place. And uh, so he's like, because he looks like, you look at Paul Walker and he looks like, I mean, like, yeah. He's a super stud. Right, that guy's the captain of the football team, right? He's probably homecoming king, too. <laughs> Not, and you look at Vin Diesel, and now you're like, well, I guess he's got 20 sided die in his pocket. Right. <laughs> but they were really they were really good friends because they worked in these movies together. Now, this is from the National Enquirer because inquiring minds want to know. This is uh, Dateline, July 13th, 2016. Here's Hollywood's latest Dead Star Haunts movie set whisper. Insiders on hard-driving Vin Diesel's Fast 8, the latest in the red-hot Fast and Furious racing series, said the star swears he's actually eyeballed on set the spirit of best pal slash co-star Paul Walker. Paul Walker died in a car crash offset in 2013. Reported the spy from the set, Vin swore he kept feeling Paul's presence strongly, then actually sighted him walking through onset crowds. And in a truly chilling incident, Vin freaked when he approached his parked race car for the day's first shot, and the engine suddenly roared to life, revving furiously, even though no one was in the car. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, it's terribly sad. Yes. Of course. That Paul Walker, uh, you know, died in such a tragic young oh, death. Oh, man. And then being on the set where you'd been working with him for so long, I can't imagine how hard that would be. And then, But seeing somebody, <sighs> you know, like yeah. seeing the spirit of your dead friend and then like the car starts. I'm just saying, fate of the furious. I hope we see it and there's a ghost story in it, like the old three men and a baby ghost story. <laughs> right. Remember that? that, that <laughs> oh, yeah, there's a dead kid and three men and a baby like behind the window and they just left it in the movie. Um, right. So maybe Paul Walker will be our next uh, Three Men and a Baby ghost story. We can hope. Oh, right? Except well, the Three Men and a Baby ghost story ended up being false. Right. Ended up being like a stand-in of Ted Danson. Like a cardboard cutout of him. Yeah, like that they accidentally left in the shot. <laughs> so so I thought that was a cool story about Vin Diesel and seeing Paul Walker's ghost on the set. I think that's very cool. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing about these movies, too, is that James Gunn, who is the writer and director. Now, he was originally the writer on, uh, don't hold this against him, Scooby-Doo. The movie. The movie, yeah. Not like the original TV show, because he wasn't alive. But the <laughs> Scooby-Doo movie, uh, he, he wrote that, that first one. Did you see the Scooby-Doo? Oh, dear. When did you see I, I never saw it. No. Oh, I did. Oh, my. I did. Well, you know, it had Sarah Michelle Gellar. I liked her. Okay. It had Linda Cardinelli. And I had a crush on her from Freaks and Geeks. <laughs> okay. And I loved Scooby-Doo as a kid. It was only when I was an adult revisiting Scooby-Doo that I thought, how is this even palatable? Like, it wasn't just kind of cheesy. When I rewatched the old episodes of Scooby-Doo oh as an adult, it was I know, it's un- terrible. Like, not a single joke hits. You can watch your Flintstone, at least a couple jokes hits. You, you watch <laughs> Scooby-Doo, like, not a single joke hits. <laughs> You just picture the writers just sitting around getting so high and <laughs> right. being like, this is hilarious. Oh, it's so funny, man. And and then, <laughs> like, but the, you see the dog's hungry all the time, man. Right. He's going to have some Scooby snacks, man. All right. Write that down. It's gold. Uh, and it, but the dog talks. But he talks like he's got to put an R before everything. So Yeah. Like, okay. All right. Yeah. <laughs> 
It's a Scooby-Doo. So, but the director of the movie is, or the writer of the movie? Yeah, the the right the guy that wrote Scooby-Doo also is doing. But I'm not going to hold it against them because he also wrote the remake of Dawn of the Dead, which I thought was really good. I enjoyed oh, the remake okay. of Dawn of the Dead. And he made a really fun horror movie called Slither. Ooh. Uh, which that was kind of under the under the radar one. So Slither is a one that you should watch. It's good. It's got, okay. It's got Nathan Fillion, which is the captain from Firefly in a, in a main Oh, role. I love him. Yeah, he's awesome. I love him. Yeah, and he's really good in Slither too. So Slither's a fun one to watch. And it's a comedy horror? There's jokes in it, but okay. it's, a, it's a horror movie. Okay. I mean, and it's got some gross parts, but it's not um, exploitative, let's okay. say. Not, not like horror exploitation. But no, yeah. Slither's good. And then he made this, um, well, you know Rain Wilson from The Office, Dwight? Oh, yeah. The super uptight. <laughs> so he made a movie where Rain Wilson plays like a, a vigilante that wants to become a superhero. Ooh. And so he gets inspired to put on an outfit and uh, go fight crime boss Kevin Bacon. It's called Super. And his, uh, he doesn't really have any superpowers, except he has a pipe wrench as a weapon. And it's like a realistic look, at, uh, kind of realistic. I mean, it's silly in parts. But it's like, what if somebody actually tried to be a superhero? Yeah. And okay. obviously the police would want him because he's hitting people with a pipe wrench. Right. Um, but it, it's another good one. So he's direct, you know, his movies are great. And I think, um, it was really exciting that they gave him something like, you know, a hundred million dollars to work on the guardians of the galaxy. And his blog has always been a lot of fun. And so he's always had an interest in horror and sci-fi and stuff. And you can see that in, in his films, James Gunn, but you read his blog and you find out that he had a couple of cool articles about investigating the Raelians. Okay. The Raelians. The Raelians. Now, who are the Raelians? The Raelians, is, it's a UFO religion founded by uh, Claude Verhulen, who's now known as Rail. And there's an umlaut over the E, too, just in case. So it's kind of like he's in a heavy metal band. Right. <laughs> the Raelian movement teaches that life on Earth was scientifically created by a species of extraterrestrials, which they call the Elohim, which that's, mm-hmm. that's Hebrew for like deities. Oh, okay. Elohim. Members of the species appeared human when having personal contacts with the descendants of the humans that they made, but they purposely misinformed early humanity they were angels or gods. So Raelians believe the prophets of each area, era, like Buddha and Jesus and Muhammad and everybody, are actually the Elohim trying to help us out. And Rael, this guy that formed Raelianism, received the mm-hmm. final message from the Elohim and the purpose is to let the world know about them. And when we become aware and peaceful enough, they're going, you know, we are going to be welcomed to them into this intergalactic family. Okay. So he and his uh, girlfriend, uh, let's see what year was this in like 2010, just thought it'd be fun if they could check out one of the Raelian seminars so he writes this really long blog post, and it's, it's pretty funny. It's super interesting, and it's got all this the Raelian imagery. And the Raelian imagery is like showing this rail guy, like little pictures of him, like by spaceships or like standing in front. <laughs> okay. I mean, we'll put a link to this in the show notes to jamesgun.com so you can check it out. And, well, they went to the, the Raelian Happiness Seminar in Las Vegas. Oh, and I forgot about this part. Okay. One of the reasons that the Raelians are famous, or we, you might have heard of them, is that they have claimed to clone a human in 2002. Oh, wow. Okay. 
So I remember huh. that because they're like, yeah, we've actually cloned someone. And everybody's like, oh, my Way God. Way ahead of the curve. You cloned somebody? And then, like, they didn't. It, they were just talking oh. trash. It was just a press release. But the thing is, the Raelians also have a lot of public, I guess, nudity displays. <gasps> Scandalous. So that's their big thing. Like, especially when they're in, in they have different, like, Raelian, like, uh, uh, marches in Asia and stuff. And they're just, like, naked. Like, people are just buck naked. Oh, man. Um, I think I have some friends that might be part of that movement. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So that's the thing. So they decide to go to this Raelian happiness seminar. Okay. And they get talked to by the uh, Raelian's angels or Rails angels, which are, like, Biker gang? No, I'm not not quite. Like Hell's Angels? More like Charlie's Angels. Oh, okay. Except instead of, uh, I mean, I guess a lot of what Charlie's Angels did was uh, stop crime. Uh, Rails Angels kind of in, in try to entice you into sex. Yeah. So that's kind of what they were up to. And it seems like the Happiness Seminar and the Happiness Academy is basically all about uh, exhibition and get naked and doing it. So like Alrighty then. when I'm looking at the um they have a, a little flyer for the events happening at the Happiness Seminar. They call it Happiness Academy. There's a beach party at the Happiness Academy. It does sound fun. Yeah it does. Anything called a happiness seminar, I mean And there's meditation every day in the morning, so Wendy you wouldn't have to break oh. your break the chain. Perfect. <laughs> Sun- <laughs> Sunday night they have a big Braillean carnival. Carnival, hot samba music, wet t-shirt contest, limbo dance, oh, your favorite video go. games, and our very own sensual bugs to give you a nice massage. Does this say sensual bugs? Hold on. No. Can't be right. Let me, let me make this bigger. Make sure I'm looking at the right thing. Is there a translation issue there? No, it's sensual bugs. That's what it <laughs> says right there. This is all in English here. This is, I mean, they made this. It look, obviously made this flyer in Word. And this is all in this James Gunn's blog post, which is hilarious. And that might possibly be the only time ever that those two words were combined. You turned down a massage. It's sensual bug. <laughs> it's from one of our sensual bugs, though. <laughs> and and there's a wet t-shirt contest. Oh gosh. Yep. What on earth? That still happens. Yeah. Then they have <sighs> a like international night talent show. Tuesday night's mystery night, so this is. We can't tell you what we have in store for you. Um, and then Thursday night is the extraordinary sensual voyage. Mm, and it's uh, totally it's totally porny. Oh, and man. please take a blanket, towel, yoga mat to be able to sit, lie on. Shine like the pure light and love that you are and bring your treasured self to this unique sensual voyage. And um, then Friday they have a live jam. Well, that, that sounds fun. It does sound jam. So you bring a guitar or whatever, your banjo. And you have a live jam by the pool. So that's what kind of, like, that's what it's all about, the happiness seminar. And and they went, and, um, well, the director was kind of disappointed when uh, he was approached by one of Rail's people that uh, Rail wanted to have sex with his girlfriend. So that seemed to spoil it for him. He's like, oh, it seems, very, seems pretty harmless. Seems like these guys are just a lot of fun, and it's really harmless, until it, you find out that it becomes like, it's the usual cult activity mm. where the cult leader has to bang all the girl members. Oh. I mean, that's David Koresh. Uh, that's what he did. Uh, he was a bass player, too. So he gave bass players a bad name, David Koresh. 
And, well, the Mormon guy, Joseph Smith, like, he's just like, I'll take that one and that one and that one. Like, they went, you know, that seems to be the thing in these modern cults is that they um, want to do it. But also, and, and here's what they had. So this is how you know it was a sex party. You had a, uh, a, a wristband that you would wear when you were at the seminar. And each color has a different meaning. Red means you are looking for multiple pleasures with different partners. Green. Uh, okay, so it's just... Okay. Green means you have aim for a relationship with a single partner. White means you do not wish to be sexually solicited, whether you are involved in a relationship or just want to enjoy the seminar own. Pink means you're homosexual. Purple means you're bisexual. And he, uh, the next thing he writes is, I asked Mia, that's his girlfriend, if she thought there was a ribbon for Raelians are too ugly to f- Oh. <laughs> she said she didn't think so. So we did the next best thing and put on the white ribbons. Wow. Okay. So they just really went and explored that without fully understanding what right. it was about. I don't think they had any idea that it was just a sex, like a big sex party. <sighs> but it was just funny because he's got this long blog post and the Raelians, um, you know, they probably did have a lot of extraterrestrial type talk and UFO type stuff. But it's also a great kind of context to set up for a weird 70s orgy kind of deal. And so in the end, he ends up saying, every single time I join a UFO sex cult, I am so thoroughly disappointed. And that's the bottom line for James Gunn talking about the Raelians. Wow. All right. But he says in in the comments, though, he says, one of the biggest conversations between me and I was whether Rail was insane and believed what he was saying or just a liar who's milking the situation for sex and money and attention. We, We both lean towards thinking it's the latter. Yeah. Well, and and you think about it, if you're involved in something for like 40 years, like we, we talked about this with Doe, our man from the um, Heaven's Gate religious group. And we talked about it with Doe for a long time. Like, when did it come for him? Something where he was just using it as a way to uh, suppress his sexuality that was causing him trouble. And did that eventually ever become like, no, man, I believe this. Because yeah. when you spend more of your life believing something than don't, not. Right. I'm just saying, rail might be in a sense, and at least <sighs> at least there's no Kool Aid or uh, any kind of weird suicide concoction for the Raelians. There's just STDs. So, um, so, so James Gunn is into all this UFO stuff uh, as one of the Guardians. Moving on, you know who's in this movie that I did not realize is in the movie? Who? Sylvester Stallone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Sly Stallone, Sylvester Stallone, Rocky himself. Cool. Uh, I don't know what his part is in the movie. I just saw him in the Wikipedia credits. So well, that'll be fun to see. Yeah. And I find out. And I try not to watch too much of the um, like Wikipedia. Oh, the previous stuff. Yeah. Because I don't want to get, you know, spoiled or have the. I like I liked coming into something fresh. I knew nothing about the Guardians of the Galaxy when I first saw it. I wasn't even familiar with the team, as I think most of the people who even knew who, like, Spider-Man was and the X-Men and things weren't, like, who is the, the Guardians? Yeah. Like, what? Star-Lord? Like, what's... The- no, I went into it blind as well. Right, and so a lot of times that's a lot more fun. Well, Sylvester Stallone has a small role in the movie, and I don't know what it is, but having Sly in anything is always a pleasure. Now, when I was looking up Sly ghost stories, he didn't have anything in particular, but this is an interesting, a, a weird, uh, a weird thing. So... It's an Indian website. So Indian as an India website mm-hmm. has Sylvester Stallone haunted by ghosts turns to India for help. 
Okay, and this is indiaglitz.com. So it's a celebrity Indian website, which is fun in itself. Yeah. And it's okay. Now, this is a sad story. Um, Hollywood superstar Sylvester Stallone lost his son, Sage Stallone, age 36, uh, to a heart attack three years back. So, oh, so I think, that's very sad. And that's 2012. So I think Sage Stallone was the same age as, uh, as us. All these years, Stallone has been seeing the ghost of his son, and the worried star, on the advice of experts, decided to conduct a Thithi Puja to pacify the soul. Oh, never heard of that before. Right, what's a Thithi Puja? What is it? Uh, well, I'll tell you in one second. Please do. Okay, but it says <laughs> Stallone's half-brother Michael and his family visited Kankahal Hardwar. I'm, I'm sorry to anybody who can say the words correctly from the Indian subcontinent. I am not one of those people. So I'm, I, I'm sorry for butchering the words. He had the priest conduct the puja rituals according to Indian customs. Now, the word puja from Sanskrit means reverence, honor, homage, adoration, and worship. So it's a prayer ritual. And so the Thithi Puja is like a, um, like a prayer ritual to help his son's spirit move on. Kind of deal. So the idea that his brother went to India to perform that ritual for Sylvester Stallone. But I was only pretty serious. I was able to find it on a couple of Indian websites, but I wasn't able to find any more about this story anywhere else. And Hmm. it just it makes me feel like why is that you know, how would they know that story? Where would they get that from? It feels like the kind of story that like you'd make up to have some kind of SEO juice about Sylvester Stallone. Oh, that would be terrible. I agree that would be terrible. Like, I, I think that would be in poor taste to use the death of someone. Quite. The death of someone's child to try to get some SEO juice. But mm. maybe he did, you know, the idea is that he is seeing, is he seeing his son's ghost? Who knows? And, yeah. Well, the thing about Sylvester Stallone is we don't know the, the veracity of that particular tale, whether his half-brother Michael really did go to India and get the Thithi Puja performed. But we do know that Sylvester Stallone's mother, well, she sees the other side. Oh, really? Yes. Sylvester Stallone's mother, Jackie Stallone, in the 90s, she had her own like psychic friends network. <laughs> Everybody's got one. Yeah. So, so Jacqueline Stallone had her own little like psychic hotline in the 90s, and she had an astrology book and a cosmetics line. And... Well, this, this is an article written in 2010 on Week and Weird. And Jason Corbis is the writer, but Week and Weird is run by our friends Dana and Greg Newkirk, uh, who have been on the show, and they're always fun. Yeah. And they run the uh, Museum of Paranormal and the Cult. Which is awesome. Which is awesome. Here's what Jackie got into, okay? We know about astrology. We know about numerology. We know about reading tea leaves. You look for the future <laughs> in tea leaves. And palmistry is the other one, right? So you look at your palm, and you can tell someone's future by the lines in their palm. Well, Wendy, have you heard of rumpology? Wait, yeah. did you just say what I think you said? Oh, yeah, I did. I have not heard of rumpology. Rumpology, otherwise known as buttology. No, that's not no. known as buttology. It, but rumpology is the word. Uh, and this is from the article. Rumpology, according to its practitioners, is... Quote, an ancient art that can, to the trained eye, reveal your personality, fate, and future in luck and love by looking over the lines, crevices, and folds Uh, of your butt. No. They look at your butt to find the future. Oh, quit it. Jackie Stallone. (laughs) Jackie Stallone, that is what she's doing. 
She says that, that they've used it in India and Babylon. I mean, maybe this is where the Indian connection came from, okay. that this is okay. an ancient art in India and Babylon. The Greeks used butt prints to determine health. The Romans looked for potential talents and future successes. Uh, she says, looking at your butt will reveal your whole being. Okay, so I'm laughing at this, but it actually might be a serious thing. So it's no disrespect intended. I, I don't mind disrespecting it, because if you think you can tell somebody's future by looking at their butt, you're wrong. This, I, I'll be the first to say it. Um, how does it, how does it, I, I think Jackie Stallone made it up. First of all, she's calling it rumpology. Oh, the name is hilarious. You mail a close up picture of your butt to her oh, for $125. Anyway. And the thing is, if I'm going to mail somebody a picture of my butt, like a close up, like an 800 pixels wide close up of my butt, <laughs> are you going to, you're going to have to Photoshop it. You know what I mean? Like you're not just going to want to send a straight up raw oh, butt oh shot. Oh gosh. Okay. You know, I mean, I'd even want to use Photoshop if I just sat on a copier like people did. Like, remember oh. the, the joke that people would sit on copiers? I do remember Nobody that. ever did that in any office I worked in. <laughs> Anybody do that in any of your offices? No. no not that I know of. No butt copies? I always, but it would be funny. Yeah, I was always hoping somebody would. But they would totally just get, <laughs> you'd get fired. You know, it'd be like, right. you took copies of your butt and passed them around. It seems harmless, but um. you can't just, okay. Well, you know who does want to see it? Jackie Stallone. Jackie Stallone wants to see your butt for $125. Okay. <laughs> so, she will so read ridiculous. your print. And so she uses your left cheek as a guide to your no, past. Come on, stop And it. the right cheek is the doorway to the future. Here's what she sends you. One, your personal condensed no-frills report on the signs and markings on your rear end. Two, a condensed one-year prediction of the direction your rear end is taking you. Love, <laughs> career, and finance. And you also get an eight and a half color glossy print of your butt. Uh, and who really wants that? Seriously? Okay. It has to be a joke. Maybe it was a joke, but it became just a way like, okay, well. I, I, to make money. I gave Sylvester Stallone's mom $125 and she told my future by my butt. Okay. I could see that. So. A novelty. Yeah. And I, it's only $125 to have Sylvester Stallone's mom. Like tell you your your future from looking at your butt. Rumpology. Are you gonna do it? No, I, this this article is from like seven years ago. I don't even know if Jackie still owns. I think she's still alive. I don't know if she's still looking at butts for a living. <sighs> but no, so I thought that was like a that was like the find of the week. Like I knew that she had a psychic hotline. And yeah, I, but that's out there. But I'm like, yeah, rumpology. Anyway, Jackie Stallone, you gotta love her. And uh, it's, it's always new and interesting ways. And the Stall- I mean, it is creative, I guess. So I'll give her that. <laughs> yeah. The Stallone family seems like a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> and Frank, obviously, always a pleasure to hear him sing a couple of tracks. He is simply the best. All right. A couple more of the actors have some cool stories, too. Michael Rooker. A lot of people know him now because he was Merle on The Walking Dead, a uh, one-handed redneck who... Everybody loved to hate. Okay. And so he was a he was a sheer pleasure, but he kind of redeems himself in the end. But uh, anyway, Michael Rooker, he's a fun. He's been in a lot of genre movies. His first role was in this movie called Henry: Portrait of a Serial Killer, that I recommend to everybody uh, oh, if they okay. if they like uh, terrifying, disturbing films. Oh, it's really truly disturbing. Yeah. Henry Portrait. Mm-hmm. It's it's based on uh, or inspired by the murders of the serial killer named Henry Lee Lucas from the 1980s, oh. and it's the first movie that Michael Rooker made. And really, 
Well, it's just disturbing. So it's the kind of it's, it's the kind of film that it's just raw and gritty, but it, it's really well done. Okay. And it's a very effective film. So I was reckon if you like horror movies, you're gonna love it. If just watch something light afterwards. Like don't watch it right okay. before bed. You know, like put in something fun afterwards. But so Michael Rooker in Guardians of the Galaxy, he plays Yandu Odonta, uh, which is the blue guy with like a big mohawk. Ah. And he's got the the arrows where he whistles and the arrows yeah. fall around. And he's he's always fun. He's um Oh, he also plays like the bad guy in Mallrats. And oh, what else is he? And Walking Dead, Henry Portrait of Seal Killer. Um, he he's always a, a an interesting actor. But he made a movie a couple of years ago, so he directed his first film. And where he did it was in an actual abandoned insane asylum uh, that's supposed to be haunted. Whoa! Yeah. So he made a movie called Penhurst and directed that, and actually did it at the. Penhurst Psychiatric Hospital. And the idea of the film is it's kind of taking the ghost hunters, uh, like a, a story about a ghost hunting TV show. So for decades, oh, cool. Penhurst Psychiatric Hospital has been haunted by turbulent supernatural forces. When a local TV show embarks on a mission to capture this paranormal activity, they discover something completely unexpected. As restless souls from the past torment the crew members, they fear for their lives as one by one they are gruesomely murdered. <laughs> Whoa. In a surprising revelation, they discover something more terrifying than ghosts is responsible. And directed by Michael Rooker. And they actually shot it at the, the Penhurst Asylum and the Eastern Pennsylvania Institution for the Feeble-Minded and Epileptic. Which looks like an absolutely terrifying place to see <laughs> yes, the pictures it of it. Yeah. And so it was made in 1903. And uh, anybody that, you know, it did what... Lunatic asylums did in the early part of the 20th century and late part of the 19th century, which was just take people in and, you know, do horrible Torture things. Torture them, to, basically. Yeah. And so, I mean, we would consider it obviously completely inhumane. But at the time, they thought they were doing, you know, something good for society by handling the undesirables. Yeah. But so basically, it was just a horrible, torturous place for people who were ill. 1960s, they had like 2,800 people there, but their capacity was only 1,900. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So uh, somebody did a, a short TV series on Penhurst in 1968, and people were appalled to see individuals chained to adult-sized cribs, children in cages, and then allegations of abuse, and they finally closed in 1987. Oh, gosh. What? Yeah, so we made it to 1987. Oh, my gosh. And uh, as of 2010, the building was partially reopened as the Penhurst Asylum Haunted House. Of course, as they love to do. So visitors claim to hear voices, shrieks, murmurs of pain for four residents and inmates of the facility. And uh, yeah. so I think we should probably put that on our list of stops next time we're on tour. We, you should definitely try to get there. Uh, Eastern Pennsylvania Institute for the Feeble-Minded and Epileptic. Um, I, well, I'd probably be good for the feeble-minded part, at least. But the... Um, no, so they shot it, and they didn't have any. I couldn't find any particular stories that they had, uh, like the, that they saw weird any encounters. Things. But I thought it was mm. cool that Michael Rooker, who plays Yandu, like a father figure to Peter Quill, Star Lord, and Guardians of the Galaxy, that he shot a horror movie in an actual haunted asylum. That is really cool. It's kind of like what Christopher St. Booth did when he shot his movie at the Waverly Hills Sanitarium. Ooh. So that they both got. 
uh, a horror movie out of it, as well as a documentary of all the weird stuff that happened. Oh, that's cool. So that'd be interesting. Now that Michael Rooker's in comic book movies and that he's, you know, was a main character in The Walking Dead, he's a series regular in the third season, and um, he's a lot of fun in The Walking Dead. As as fun as The Walking Dead's going to get, he is provides some comic relief and stuff. He's also very menacing and, and scary in that show. But now that he does comic book conventions, the next time he does a panel or whatever, if he ever comes to Madison or the Midwest to do a convention, I want to say, like, what did you see on the set of Penhurst? Yeah, you know? that would be interesting to find out if he actually had any experiences yeah. on the side. <laughs> yeah, I think that'd be really fun. So another uh, cameo in the film, and I don't know exactly what he plays, but he's not in the first movie. Another cameo is by Seth Green. All right. And uh, Seth Green obviously was a lot of fun on Buffy. And then he does the voice of Chris on Family Guy. Um, oh, okay. He was, he's Dr. Evil's son in Austin Powers. He's Scott Evil, which makes me laugh because also I realized this week that it's been 20 years since the first Austin Powers movie no. came out. Yeah, Austin Powers was 20 years, April, or April oh. 1997. I remember seeing it opening night because I was such a big Wayne's World fan. That I was like, oh, I got to see what Michael Myers is doing next. And the, the movie before Austin Powers was So I Married an Axe Murderer. And So I Ma- Married an Axe Murderer is still, you know, a classic. Oh, one of the greatest. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It, it, right. It's one of, the, one of my favorite films, funniest comedies. And so I'm like, yeah. and then I ended up loving Austin Powers. I'm like, oh, what's it going to be silly? And then I thought it was great. And then like a year later, everybody's like, how about that Austin Powers movie? And I'm like, yeah. How about uh, it? How about it? So Seth Green is Scott Evil. Uh, Dr. Evil's son. But interestingly enough, Seth Green also works with NASA sometimes. And he's done, really? yeah, he's done a couple of projects at NASA. And he, What types of projects? Well, That's... well I, he's not like working on the ship or anything like that. But he does like public service announcements where he discusses oh, okay. the products okay. and technology derived from NASA research that are used to be improved life on Earth. So he helps like campaign for NASA so that they get more funding so we can have more Tang. Well, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But he did a podcast, actually, with a, um, Peter uh, Diamandis. Diamandis. He's been mm-hmm. on Tim Ferriss' podcast a bunch of He's the ex-prize yeah, yeah. guy, guy. But he was talking – so Seth Green was talking about how that aliens are just always portrayed negatively in science fiction movies. Right. And that there hasn't been a positive alien movie since E.T. It's easier to change people's minds through subversive entertainment than basic education. So um, – I think he's trying to say that we need to have nicer aliens in movies because when we finally see aliens, then we're not going to try to kill them. That's <laughs> probably a good That's idea, a I guess. I mean, <laughs> yeah, interesting. So, uh, okay, we just wanted to go through. We're excited about the New Guardians of the Galaxy movie and all the people connected have some interesting stories from UFO cults to Kurt Russell discovering the Phoenix Lights to Josh Brolin, who plays Thanos. He said that he really believed in out-of-body experiences as a kid. And I thought that was interesting. So Josh Brolin, Mm. Sylvester Stallone conducting strange Indian rituals, Vin Diesel seeing Paul Walker on the set, Michael Rooker directing a a movie in a haunted location, Karen Gillan taking a little ghost tour on location in Doctor Who, and of course, Chris Pratt in this haunted toilet. Well, right. So keep all these things in mind when you're watching the movie. And if you do go and see it this week, make sure and let us know what you think. Yes. We're pretty excited. I'm pumped to go check it out. I think it'll be I'm definitely going to see it. And so you can tweet us at Other Side Talk. Or you can tweet me personally, Sunspot Mike. And you can tweet Wendy at Sunspot Wendy. And let us know what you thought about the movie. And we can indulge our Marvel geek sides for a little bit. <laughs> you know, one thing I, I wanted to talk about, we didn't get into, but we can get to it some other time is that 
part of the the Marvel uh, cosmic universe is which they call their space portion of the universe. So like Thor is in the space portion of the universe because his stuff takes place in his home planet. The Guardians of the Galaxy, like the cosmic portion because it's the science fiction versus the mm-hmm. rest of the stuff taking place in like New York and Washington, D.C. Um, part of that universe is they have like gods and creatures called Eternals and these massive galaxy-level villains. And so the villain, the bad guy in the first Guardians of the Galaxy is like is Thanos, or Thanos is in it. And that's the character that Josh Brolin plays. And Thanos is in love with death. Literally in love with the deity known as death. And so that is going to be the plot of the next Avengers movie that comes out next year, The Infinity War, is all about Thanos trying to impress death by using these gems that they've been collecting in all these movies, and he finally gets it all together, gets the Infinity Gauntlet, and goes uh, crazy in the universe. So there's a concept in there that the personification of death in Marvel Comics and also uh, in Sandman and how um, Neil Gaiman did it in his work uh, that goes back to a long history and tradition of cultures personifying you know death from the grim reaper to the irish banshee and everything and i think we're going to have to save that for another discussion maybe when the infinity war comes out sounds like a good plan to me mike so um well one of the fun parts about guardians of the galaxy is the soundtrack oh yeah right? it's great it's a very classic rock influenced soundtrack if you remember the one that really featured in the first one was hooked on a feeling um, yep. Which I, is inexplicable to me because uh, people love that song and I, I <laughs> abhor it. Um, but they did feature in the trailers for this one, Volume 2, they featured The Chain by Fluid Mac. And I love The Chain by Fluid Mac. So I thought that was a fun one that they are featuring that one in this particular movie. So for the Sunspot song this week, we thought we would grab one of our more classic, rocky, fun and goofy songs. And so uh, this is a live recording from a couple years ago of a song we, well, sometimes we still open the show with, and it's about getting in the mood to party and to have a good time and to listen to some music, and it's called Turn On the Hi-Fi. Look like an asshole Yeah, you just need 
for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Oh, how we will not forget our favorite people. Never forget. And we will never forget the Patreons, the people who make this show possible. And uh, Dr. Ned, thank you very much for uh, your level of contribution, which means you get a shout out in every single episode. Ned, you are the best. And all of our patrons, you guys are the best as well. You're tippy tops. And mark your calendars because this month's Patreon hangout is going to be on the 25th of May. So we'll look forward to catching up with you then. Yeah, well, I'll hang out 25th of May. And if you guys are interested in joining that group of the awesome people who help support the See You on the Other Side podcast, please check out othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Thanks. Catch you next week. No, it's sensual bugs. That's what it says right there.